We started a new series last week called Walking With. And it's when we walk with one another that we get to exchange and to transact love, right? Love is not something that we can do on our own. Love needs to be given and shared and received. And so love is a walking with thing. Last week we talked about that when we walk with each other, one of the things that happens is an investment is made. Today, I want to talk about another thing that happens when we walk with someone. It's not just that love is transacted, it's that faith is strengthened. That faith is strengthened. And as our scripture, I'm going to share a very familiar story from Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. You may have thought about this story as Mike sang about it in Oceans, that God is calling us out into the waters. And when we want to stay put safely, because we're afraid or fearful, God calls us out. My experience is that when we're called out of our comfort zone, it is much easier to make that journey when we're with someone. And it is much easier to strengthen our faith when we live our faith with someone. And that's why God has given us the church, so that we can live with someone. Christianity is not a solitary engagement. John Wesley, one of my heroes of the faith, said, there is no such thing as a solitary Christian. And he was right. Because when we're on our own, it becomes almost impossible for us to grow in our faith. This story that I want us to look at is perhaps based around one of the shortest walks in Scripture. Honestly, there was only a, a couple of steps that people, Peter was able to take as he was walking with Jesus before he started to sink. But then Jesus rescued him as Jesus rescues us. And that allowed Peter's faith to strengthen to the point that Peter was able to spend the rest of his life walking in faith with Jesus. But as I was studying this scripture this week, I realized that even though the pivotal moment in this story, it climaxes when Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking in faith, this story also points to the process of growing in our faith, the steps that we need to take to have a strong and a robust faith. And it's a faith that's lived out as we walk with. 
So Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. What's happened just before this is that Jesus had fed the 5,000. He performed this miracle. His stock had never been higher. And everybody was celebrating in the kind of afterglow of that incredible miracle. Except Jesus. And so it starts in verse 14, 22 with this. Immediately, not wasting any time, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat ahead of him and go to the other side of the lake where they'd been holding and performing this miracle. This great thing has happened, but the first thing that Jesus does is tell the disciples to get out of there. Why does he do that? Probably a, a couple of reasons. We're reading John's gospel that at this moment, Jesus says popularity was so high that, that everybody wanted to make him a king. There was almost like this political machine around Jesus starting to, to, to amp up. Jesus didn't want his disciples to have any part of that. They wanted to know the kind of king and the kind of Messiah he was. So he says, look, just get out of here. Next, Jesus dismisses the crowds. He tells them to go home. I imagine he says, yeah, what's happened here is, is great. But the gospel is lived out, not in these necessarily high moments on the mountaintop, but it's lived at home and the ups and the downs and the, the stuff that life brings. He dismisses the disciples. He dismisses the crowds. But the primary reason that he does that is because he needs and he wants some alone time with God, with his father. After dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. He went up out of the way, by himself, to pray, and he stayed there for a long time. As we're talking about strengthening faith, Jesus is modeling for us the starting place for that. That the foundation of our faith needs to be time away, time alone with God. He went where no one would distract him, where, where the noise of the events that had just happened were quieted because he wanted to hear from God alone. He went to pray. As we've talked about already, he went to talk and to listen. He went to commune and connect with God. And we read about this time that it wasn't just a short time of prayer. 
that it was an extended time that went well into the night. Prayer is one of the things I want to do every day. But the temptation is that we make prayer just a checklist on a to-do list. Have I prayed today? Check, yes. And when we have that kind of mentality towards prayer, we tend to pray as quickly as we can and shortly as we can to get it over with. But Jesus founds his faith on alone time with God in prayer over an extended period of time. I read a tweet this week from Lecrae, the Christian rapper. And he said this about prayer. He said, often for many people, when they say, I'll pray for you, that statement, I'll pray for you, is actually the prayer. And we do that, don't we? Someone shares with us something that they're struggling with, they're wrestling with. We say, oh, I'll pray for you. But then we go away and we forget about it, and our time with God is so short that it, God can't bring it to our, our mind to pray for. And so when we say, I'll pray for you, is actually the prayer. But not so with Jesus. His faith was founded on time alone, in prayer, over an extended period of time with God. Friend, I would encourage you today that that's where your faith needs to start. Alan and I, on Friday night, had the opportunity to sit with a NASCAR driver, Michael McDowell, who's running in the Daytona 500 this afternoon. And we were interviewing for uh, this organization that I'm engaged with, and it was uh, an honor to talk with him. But we asked him how he prepared for the race. And I was expecting answers about checking the tires and getting his head in the game and all that kind of stuff. But he said, the first thing I do to prepare for the race around the track and the race of life is I carve out extended periods of time every day to pray. He says, if I do not have my quiet time, I find that my life is just idling or I am just spinning my tires. He's saying the same thing that Jesus modeled. That our faith is founded on our relationship with God. Time alone, communing for an extended period of time with God. Step one in building our faith, we have this foundation of drawing close to God on a disciplined, consistent basis. Verse 24, meanwhile, the boat, the one carrying the disciples, was already some distance from land. It was battered by the waves because the wind was against them. 
Jesus came towards them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, as they cried out in fear. The thing that strikes me about this second passage is that Jesus has built a foundation for faith that he wants to transfer to the disciples. But as we read about the disciples here, what's interesting is how descriptive the disciples are, and Matthew is, about what's happening here. Listen to some of the details. The boat was already some distance from the land. That word distance is measured in stadia, which is about 600 feet. And they were three or four miles out into the lake. They were battered by the waves. It wasn't just that the waves were there doing their thing. They were battering the boat. There was a wind present, of, of course there was, but descriptively the wind was against them. Jesus came towards them walking on the water. It was very early in the morning. It was the, the fourth watch between three and six in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were, they were terrified. Another descriptive word. It's ghost. They said, and they cried out in fear. You know, the second step, I think, in this process of developing our faith, Jesus set the foundation, but it's almost like this circumstance had to make the disciples become aware or alert or assertive to their need for faith. Does that make sense? These guys were experienced fishermen. They had been out on the Sea of Galilee many times, and most of the times they had been out there, the sea had been calm, and the winds had been quiet, and the waves had been stilled. But this was different, and this difference made them aware, made them assertive towards their need for faith. God is the foundation of our faith. We know that. We say that. We use that in all kind of cliches. But often it's not until we realize our need for faith that we can start to engage our faith. It's not until we realize our need for faith that we start to engage our faith. And these guys right here knew that if they were going to survive with everything going on, they needed some faith. It's worth noting that it's often in the difficult times of life when the winds of change and circumstances and situations and crisis and pain are battering against the boats of our life, that we become aware for our need for faith because we say, 
how else am I going to do this? How else am I going to get through this? It's also worth noting that this story reminds us that it's in those difficult, painful times that Jesus comes towards us. It's not that he's not close all the time, but Jesus immediately rushes to us when we're in pain. Why? Because he's the answer to our pain. He's the hope in our pain. He's the solution to our pain. First of all, there is this foundation of faith that needs to be created. But then we need to realize our need for faith. I was talking this week with someone who I've known for several years, but has been far from God for several years. And we built a good friendship. And I love him as a, a brother. But there's a difference between us because I have faith and he doesn't. Recently, he went through a, a crisis in his faith, one that, that, that shook his identity of who he thought he was. We had a long conversation, and I got to talk about the foundation for my faith. And it started to make sense to him in a way that had never made sense before. And he said, Andy, why didn't you tell me this several years ago? I said, well, I tried, but when things were going well, you didn't see this need for faith. It's not often until we're in need, until the need for faith awakens, that we start to move forward in faith. Jesus sets the foundation of faith, but for us to receive that... We have to acknowledge our need for it. We live in a world with so many comforts, with so many blessings, and they really are, that they almost immunize us against our need for faith. And it's often not until those difficult times that faith awakens and is alerted in us. Verse 27, immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Some of us from time to time, maybe even now, have a very shaky faith, a very wobbly faith, and we need to hear Jesus say, have courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Courage doesn't remove the fear. It helps us push through it. When Jesus says, it is I, he is making a huge statement here because he is defining himself by the name that God told Moses about in Exodus chapter 3. Who shall I say is with me? I am who I am. Jesus says, it is I. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Peter, full of his whatever, <laughs> says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water to you. Why he said that, why he asked that, who knows, but he did. And so Jesus says, 
come. And what's happening now is that this faith that's becoming alive in Peter is going to be tested. And we read that Peter climbed out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. Probably not far, just a few steps. But Peter here was going on one of the most unusual walks ever with Jesus. And we read in verse 30, but when he saw the strength of the wind, he became afraid and he began to sink. And so he cried out, Lord, save me. Why this moment's happening, I'm not sure. But what this moment is doing is that it is testing Peter's faith. Jesus sets the foundation for faith by going with the Father. The struggle, the crisis, the storm alerts the disciples to their need for faith. And now faith is tested. And Peter fails that test until he addresses his focus and passes that test. But the point I want to make is that if our faith is going to be strong and robust and all that it can be, our faith needs to be tested. For so long we subscribe to Christianity that says, oh yeah, I'll believe that. But I'm going to put that in a box and I'm going to keep it safe and I'm going to protect it. And that faith that we have is never tested. And because it's never tested, it's never strengthened. And because it's never strengthened, it never becomes all that God wants it to be. And we never fulfill the potential and the hopes and the dreams that God has for us. God gives us muscles in our body, right? But if we spend all our days not testing those muscles, not using those muscles, those muscles are never strengthened. We try not to do that to our bodies, but so often we do that to our faith. I believe this, don't challenge me. I'm comfortable here, don't push me. I know where I am. Don't invite me into all the more that God has for me. The thing I love about Peter is he says, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I want to have courage. But would you test that faith? Test that faith. Do something, go somewhere, talk to someone. Test that faith. Don't be afraid of the challenge to your faith. Our faith is ultimately faith in God. The God who will not let us down. You see in the story that as he takes his test of faith, sometimes he fails. You'll fail too. Because all of us take our, our, our face off Jesus, right? We start to get concerned about the, the things around us. 
But the good news is we can always turn back, turn around, fix our gaze, put our trust in Jesus again, and pass that test of faith. You see how faith is progressing here? Jesus sets the foundation. The faith comes alert. Then the faith must be tested. And then the faith is strengthened. Verse 34, there's that word immediately again. That word is used in relation to Jesus three times in this passage. Why? Because Jesus doesn't hang around. He loves us so dearly and so desperately that he wants to move as quickly as he can to meet us in our need, to strengthen our faith. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the Son of God. You of little faith, why did you doubt? This word doubt talks to the idea of coming to a fork in the road where we have two choices to make. And here the choice in the test is, am I going to trust God or am I going to be afraid of the circumstances around me? Why do you doubt? He's pulling Peter to his side, to say, trust me, put your faith in me. That's the the passing of the test. And as he does that, we read that the wind ceased and they got into the boat again. And I'm sure that in this moment, their faith was strengthened to a level that had never been as strong as before. Earlier in the day, they'd seen this miracle of feeding 5,000, and that was pretty cool. But here they were in this boat, having seen God do another miracle, a very personal miracle, one that potentially saved their lives. When we see God at work, it strengthens our faith. Our relationship with the Father is the foundation of our faith. We we must become alert to our need for faith. We must test our faith. As we hold on to Jesus, our faith is strengthened. But you see what they say in the very last verse here. Then those in the boat worshipped him. Man, what a worship service that must have been. And they said this, truly, you are the son of God. Truly, you are the son of God. This word truly means to have integrity. It means to have strength. It means to have a robust faith. 
The disciples were awakened to their need for faith. They tested their faith. Their faith was strengthened. But when they saw that their faith makes sense, they said, truly, truly you are the Son of God. And they went about the rest of their life living in this robust faith. This faith that said, I'm going to trust God, come what may. This faith that said, God's got incredible plans for my life, and I'm going to pursue it with all I've got. This robust faith that says, I know, that I know, that I know, that I know, without a shadow of a doubt, that God is for me, and that he will never abandon me. Here's what I want to say. There is this process of strengthening our faith. From when we become ignorant of our need for it to when it becomes robust and life-defining. But that process is best fulfilled and best worked out when we share our faith with someone, when we choose to walk with another through life. We cannot do it on our own. There is no such thing as an isolated Christian, right? But it's often in relationship with others that we're awoken to our need for faith. It's in relationship with others that we can best test our faith. It's through life with others that our faith is strengthened. And it's in that boat together where they celebrated a robust faith. There's a process to developing our faith, a faith that is given freely as a gift of grace by our loving God. But that process is best traveled down as we choose to walk through life with someone.